Matthew chapter 7. And we're not going to really recap last week's sermon. I just wanted you to hear what was around our passage today. So our scripture today is 13 and 14, verses 13 and 14 out of chapter 7. And we, I think this is one of those passages we've all heard, we've all have somewhat of an understanding of it, but it, it's also one of those, there's that cursory look at it, there's that, that just, oh, okay, that makes sense type of a look, but then there's the deeper dive. And, and when we dive into it, it, it's really a powerful message. But it's a verse that, that the more you look into it, the more you, you read it, the more you dive into the meaning behind it, it, it just gets tougher. Y'all familiar with verses that, that are that way? The, the more you dive into them, not, not tougher to understand, not tougher to, to, to read, but you understand the implication of this verse. And this is one of those for me. And so I hope that as we continue, it, it'll unfold to you and, and actually take root in our souls. It says, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the way is broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who enter through it. For the gate is small, and the way is narrow that leads to life. And there are few who find it. Now, there's a couple things. Jesus is wrapping up the Sermon on the Mount. Okay, we're, we're getting close to, to, to bringing this to an end. So there's a couple things that I want to kind of refresh in our minds. And, for example, this is why we went through the Beatitudes. We went through the Beatitudes because the narrow gate is hard, and it is narrow, and few get through it. And the broad gate is there for everyone who wants to do whatever they want. And so those who want to be religiously hypocritical, self-righteous, there's a broad gate for that. Remember, you remember, this ain't as popular anymore, but there was a time whenever there, you would hear, there's an app for that, right? There's a gate for that. This is why we will accept persecution for the behalf, I mean, for Jesus' sake. This is why we keep his commands both in our heart and with our hands. This is why we show, he shows us our self-righteousness and religiosity. This is why he teaches us how to pray. This is why he calls us to forgive others. And at the same time, he warns us what happens if we don't have a forgiveness, forgiving heart. He counsels the worried. Excuse me. He consoles the worried and counsels them to seek 
seek the kingdom of heaven and his kingdom and his righteousness. He commands us to be merciful in our judgment of others. At the same time, he tells us that we are not to cast our pearls before swine. And he's, if you, if you recognize that we, we just went very quick summary of, of the Sermon on the Mount. And he's given us this information. He's, got, he, he's brought us here to say there's a wide gate and a narrow gate. There is an easy path and a hard path. There is a, a, a way that everybody is accepted and included, and there's a way of exclusion. There is, there are two gates, one wide, one small, one easy, one hard, one many will go through, and the other just a few. One uh, leads to damnation and destruction, while the other leads to eternal life. Both gates say that they are heaven-bound, but only one is. Both gates on their advertisement have heaven written over the, the door. One is very obviously false advertising. Knowing this should dictate to us how we decide every decision in our day-to-day -day life. Every single decision. This this passage about a wide gate and a narrow gate isn't just for Christians to go, oh, good, there's a narrow gate, I'm headed that way. Oh, whew. good sermon, let's all go home. This passage should dictate what we do every day. It should make be a part of our deciding factor of everything that we do. Not just for the pastor or the deacon or the Sunday school teacher or, or, or the, the, the ministry, whatever, the church employee, not just for those people, not just for the hyper-religious, but it should include parents, grandparents, children, should weigh the narrow and wide gate when they make decisions. What do you mean by that? Well, how do we treat each other? Doesn't, isn't there somewhere in Scripture where it says to honor your mother and father? Isn't there a place where it talks about that we should uh, teach children to walk in the fear and admonition of the Lord? There's a wide gate and a narrow gate. There's a uh, uh, broad road and a narrow road. And you'll hear me use narrow and hard when it comes to the road interchangeably. How we love one another, to love our neighbor and to love our enemies even. If you're going to love your enemy, would you think that's the hard road or the easy road? 
people, people make comments, foolish comments, about, well, Christian, you've taken the easy way out. Christianity is a crutch. No, no, Christianity isn't a crutch. It's my deathbed. It's the coffin. It's not a crutch. It is my everything. I am, I am, I am dying to myself because of Christianity. I don't, it doesn't just help me limp along. People say, it's easy because you're leaning on this sky granddaddy who's just going to grant your wishes, but in reality, it's hard. If you have struggled with drug abuse in the past, or, or even prescription pills, or struggled with any kind of addiction, period, how much easier is it to turn to the alcohol? How much easier is it to return to the pills? How much easier is it to return to whatever it may be? Maybe, maybe it's nothing chemically substance. Maybe it's a person. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's a website. How much easier is it to turn to that than it is to hit your knees to a holy God and explain to him how you failed him again and how you need forgiveness and you need to repent to him. How much easier is it to just give way to what the entire culture is pushing on you? Some of you may listen to Christian radio, but for the most part, this is the only place you come that stands against the general cultural narrative. We'll dive into some of that towards the end. One thing that I want to point out is he gives us a command to make a choice. He commands us to make a choice. He says this, enter through the narrow gate. Enter through the narrow gate. There are two gates. I'm telling you, you need to choose that one. You need to go in that one. The narrow one. If you look at Deuteronomy 30, 19. I call heaven and earth to witness against you today that I have set before you life and death. The blessing and the curse. So choose life in order that you may live. You and your descendants. So this is the first time we've seen God give people a choice to choose life or death. Make no mistake about it, if you go down the road of, of the wide path, there is damnation, there is destruction, there is death. Some of you, and I have a handful of Old Testament quotes uh, dealing with this. But I also want to quote some from the New Testament. John uh, 6, chapter 6, verse 66 through 69. As a result of this, 
these many of his disciples withdrew and were not walking with him anymore. So Jesus said to the twelve, You do not want to go away also, do you? Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter says, we've chosen Christ. When, when, when he said something hard, when he, and if I'm, I've looked at a lot of scripture studying this. I'm, I'm trying to remember. If I remember the context properly, he, in John, he's telling them, you must hate. You must hate. I did not come for peace. I have come to divide. You must hate those who would prevent you from following me. You must choose me over your family. And people were like, can't do that, Jesus. Can't do that. Mm -mm. And people leave. We see Christ do this a handful of times. You know, crowds get real big. He says, well, I'll thin them back a little bit. And he says something real hard. And people leave. And he looks at his disciples and he says, are you going to leave too? We can't. We can't. You have eternal life. Only you. Mark 10, 17 through 22. As he was setting out on a journey, a man ran up to him, to him and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandment, Do not murder do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not uh, uh, fraud, honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these things from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt, felt, a, felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all Go and sell all you uh, possess and give to the poor and you will have treasures in heaven. That sounds familiar, doesn't it? Store up treasures in heaven. He was saddened by, he was saddened and he went away grieving for he was one who owned much property. He said, nope. I'm not, I'm not choosing. I, own, I have too much. I'm not willing to give up everything for Christ. Now, Christ doesn't say, Bradshaw, go sell your house, go sell your car. He's talking to this guy. He saw what was in this fellow's heart. And what was in this fellow's heart was a love for things. 
Now, let's be honest. How many of us have a love for things in our heart? And the man chose to walk away from Jesus sad. He could have walked away from Christ owning everything in heaven. He could have walked away being co-heirs with the Son of God. He could have walked away being greeted in heaven. He could have had eternal life. The very reason he goes to Christ and say, how do I gain eternal life? He could have had that. But he stepped away. Not only do we need to walk down the, 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 the narrow path, the hard path, not only do we walk through a narrow gate, we need to understand that it is Jesus of the Bible that is that path, is that gate. We cannot make up our own Jesus. We cannot make up some narrow path of our own. There is only Jesus and there's everything else. There's Jesus, and then there's everything else. I've got a pretty good wingspan, but it doesn't, it doesn't do what it ought to to illustrate the wide path. You must choose Christ. And not just, oh, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe in Jesus. The demons believe in Jesus, but they tremble at seeing him because they know the power and the might and the who he is. That's not good English, but you understand what I'm saying. So they tremble. We make up Jesus. Carry his name in vain. Declare, my Jesus wouldn't say these things. My Jesus wouldn't do those things. My Jesus wouldn't ever send no one to hell. Your Jesus is a false Jesus. You must choose the Jesus of this. I'm trying to do this without making a mess. You must choose the Jesus of the Word of God. And I don't just mean nitpicking what you like out of the New Testament. I mean from Genesis to Revelation... Who is God and what he says and be obedient to it, giving up who you are, dying to self to walk the narrow road. If you've not read Pilgrim's Progress, do so. Do so. It, it is a fantastic illustration. Uh, um, Allegory. There we go. That's the right word. It is a fantastic allegory of exactly what we're talking about in this message. We can choose the broad way that leads to the wide gate and that when you enter into, when we enter into the wide gate, it is full of destruction. And we make this choice to enter into this gate of death and destruction. Or we can choose the wide gate or the narrow gate. I'm getting tongue-tied, getting confused. The narrow gate. 
And when you walked through the narrow gate, you traveled the hard road, the narrow road to get to the narrow gate, the small gate, and you traveled there, and when you get there, it opens up to you heaven. There again, I, I feel the need to remind people, we're not talking about uh, medieval art heaven where it's just little babies playing harps on clouds. We're talking about being in the presence of God Almighty Himself. Eternal life. And while many choose hell and damnation, few actually walk the hard path and wind up in heaven. If you look back the parable of the sower and the seeds, he gives four examples. Three of them fail. Only one make it. I've heard some people actually say, like, that means, you know, three-fourths of Christians aren't really Christians or people in general. I won't take it to that extreme, but it is a good example to show how people will start down this road and they will want to, to have eternal life, but they want their sin more. They want their kingdom more. They want their thing more rather than following the God of the Bible. You can, you can choose the world or you can choose Jesus, but you cannot have two masters and serve them both. For a long time, you heard about preachers talking about, you, you know, being fence sitters. And then the preachers behind, the next generation of preachers said, there ain't no such thing as fence sitters, right? Why? Because they're, they're, you've, you've made a decision. You can't just sit there and go, well, I'll make up my mind when I become 40. Or 60. Or 80. Or 100. That's when I'll get serious about following God. That's when I'll get serious about following God. You can't do that. You know why? Because if that's who you are, if that's how you think, that one day I'll take this serious. One day I'll get there. One day I'll, I'll, I'll start acting this way. One day I'll have kids and then I'll stop partying and I'll start to stop doing this and I'll start doing that. You're already down the road of destruction. You're already down the wide path. You're already going down what leads to damnation. You're already making that line and, and there's you've self deceived yourself into thinking. If you think that you can travel down the wide path because it's easier and then at the last minute take a hard right and get onto the narrow path, that's more than likely not going to happen. Now, I'm not going to say there aren't deathbed conversions and that kind of thing, so don't take it to that extreme. 
But what I'm saying is, if your plan is to just get old and then take a hard right, you're not going to want to take that hard right any more when you're an old man than you are in your 20s or 30s. The desire to follow Christ is not going to be any stronger as you get older. Not to say there aren't events that can change the way you observe things. But the natural man wants the easy path. The natural man wants the wide path. The natural man wants to run around with that stupid sticker on the back of his car that says coexist. You can't. Jesus is the only way in John 14, 6. Jesus says to him, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no man comes to the Father but through me, Acts 4.12. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven that has been given among men which we must, I'm sorry, I misread it. Given among men by which we must be saved. I was doing good too and then I messed up that last sentence. Jesus is the only way. Matthew, Matthew eleven twelve. Oh, I'm sorry, I skipped something. Okay. So, not only is Jesus the other way, the narrow way is the hard way. Now, I, I, going back to commentaries, most of my commentaries didn't mention this. A handful talked about going back to the Greek and being able to uh, understand this word as hard. Like that's a proper reading of the Greek as hard. If I was better at Greek, I'd give you a definite answer on that. What I will say is, regardless if that's how you can translate it properly or not, there's no denying that following Christ is not an easy chore. It's not. In fact, the whole way we've gone through the uh, Sermon on the Mount, we've said, you can't do it. You can't do it. Love your enemy, you can't do it. Love God with everything you have, you can't do it. Love your neighbor, you can't do it. Don't be religious. Self-righteous religious. Can't do it. In fact, the whole sermon has been pointing us to the fact that we need Jesus. And that all these things that he says, do this. You have to have the power of Christ living and working in you to accomplish. You have to have God working in your life in such a manner that allows you to be able to conquer sin. 
You made yourself a Christ so that you would not be a slave to sin. Matthew 10, 34. Do not think, do not, excuse me, do not think that I have come to bring peace on the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I came to set man against his father and daughter against her mother and daughter against, or daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law and a man's enemy will be members of his household. Now this may not be true for all of you, but I, I, I guarantee you for the majority of us, you know somebody in your family who has a hard stance against Christianity. They take a hard stance against Christianity and you take a hard stance for Christianity. At least you better. And anytime, anything, which most things will lead you back to, 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 to Scripture, what happens? I want to hear it. I want to hear it. Here you go talking about that again. Why you got to be so divisive? Do we do it? Do, do you bring up the gospel? Do you bring up the word of God? Do you bring up the love of Christ because you want to bug your relatives? I hope that's not the case. Some of you it may be. But ultimately, it should be because you love them. And so even though they're your enemy, you are to love them and give them the word of God so that they may repent of their sin and turn to him. You say, that's probably not going to happen. Well, that's not for you to decide, thank God. I says, life is tough because when you follow me, when you give yourself to me 100%, there will be people in your household who do not like that. And they will come against you. Luke 13:24. Strive to enter through the narrow door. For many, I tell you, will seek to enter uh, and will not be able. Once the head of the house gets up and shuts the door and you begin to stand outside and knock on the door saying, Lord, open up to us when he will answer and say to you, I do not know where you are from. There comes a time when this will end. There comes a time when this will end. And he says it. He starts it off by saying, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Striving to enter the narrow gate leads us to understand. Actually, he says door. I'm using gate because I'm getting mixed up. He says, strive to enter the narrow door. Strive. It's exactly what it sounds like. Work. Push. Don't give up. That's hard. 
Yes. That's tough. Absolutely. But we push and we move and we strive because this is the way to the narrow gate. This is the way to eternal salvation. Now, don't take this as salvation by works either. As we've already established, you can't strive on your own. Not and be successful. And that's what this is talking about. There are those who strive in Christ and they get in the house and when the door shut, they made it in. But there are those who strive and they try to get to heaven by their works and when they get to the door, the door will be shut and they will not be able to enter. There are those who want to get to heaven but they don't understand or they don't accept or whatever it may be, God has not opened their eyes to see that the way to the narrow gate, the way down the narrow way, the way to heaven is through Christ. So you strive to, to Christ. We just went over last week. Seek. Seek what? Seek Jesus. Seek Jesus. Strive in Jesus. In Luke fourteen twenty five through twenty eight. Now large crowds were going along with him, and he turned and said to them, If anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and child and brother and sister, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry his own cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. And which one of you, when he wants to build a tower, does not first sit down and calculate the cost to see if he has enough to complete it? He says, if anyone comes to me and does not put me ahead of everything else, all our loved ones, which means I am to love Christ more than I love those babies. And I am to love Christ more than I love that woman right there. And I am to love Christ more than I love all you. Now the world says, the wide branch says, that's ugly. That's, that's uh, 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 horrible that you would put this, this thing that you call God ahead of your family. But what they don't understand is that I can't love them unless I love him first. I can't love them unless I love him first. So my love in comparison, their love in comparison to God almost looks like hate. Or it does look like hate. I'm not going to say almost. That's hard, is it not? When I see them every day and, and, and 
James with his big old head and eyes runs up to him and I love you, Daddy. I love you too, you little monkey. What did you do wrong? I love you, Daddy. And the way that I desire to have relation with them and want to be a part of their life, I should desire so much more to have that with Jesus. My communication with them should pale in the communication that I have with God. Another thing, looking more towards uh, looking more towards 28, when he talks about a man who builds, does he not first weigh, calculate the cost? So many churches have said becoming a Christian is a free thing. And it is. It's a free gift from God, is it not? But then we've misconstrued the idea that that means easy. Or that means that, that it doesn't affect how I go about things. So many people have preached about escaping the fires of hell and the only time they talk about Jesus is when they use him as a fire extinguisher. He's there to save you, that's all. You want fire insurance? Come up here to the altar. But God says, weigh out the cost. Consider what this will cost you. Consider what this will take. Consider the way you will be treated for following Jesus. Consider these things. He also says that if you are a man and you're, and you're, and you're in a man's field and you find a pearl uh, 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 buried. Was it a pearl? Gold? There's treasure. There's treasure buried and you stumble across that and you find it, you need to go sell everything you've got so that you may buy this treasure, the land that the treasure is on, that you may have that. God's telling us, weigh out the options, but then he also tells us that, 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 that the comparison leaves you with no choice. God, the narrow way, the hard times, the cost of following God is well worth eternity. There is no earthly treasure that is worth what we have in Christ. Matthew eleven twelve. From the day of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven uh, suffers violence, and the violent man takes it by force. Now you read that in our context of today, and you're like, that is weird. That makes no sense. Because we have said there is no violence. That, that there's an 11th commandment, and that is, thou shalt be nice, or thou shalt not be mean. And you have preachers who would condemn Jesus Christ 
for flipping the tables in the temple. Do you not think that Jesus did not appear to men to be violent when he made a core, a whip out of cords? It's the whole counsel of God. You can't just take a part of it. Now that being said, what this is talking about is not us jumping up and grabbing our guns and taking over the United States of America or even Duplin County or Pender County. This is saying that life is hard and life is tough and life is going to be violent against those who want to bring glory to God. Life is going to be violent against those and it is the man and the woman who fights through that. It is the man and the woman who stands firm on Jesus Christ and busts through those obstacles, goes through there. It is the man and the woman who put on the armor of God and does not back down from the word of God and pushes through the violent world in which stands against us. It says that the gates of hell will not prevail. The gates are defensive weapons or obstacles. And it is that man who prevails. It is that man who suffers the violence. And violent men take it by force. It is not an easy road. The narrow road is not an easy road. Children, kids, listen to me. I love you. Two of you, I don't know, I only see one. But two of you are, are about to be baptized. Understand. I want you to know Jesus. I want you to love Jesus. But do not do it because your parents love Jesus. Do it because you have a love for Christ that cannot compare to anything else. Follow Him. Love Him. And people and things in the world are going to come against you. And you put on the armor of God. And you stand for the word of God. And you will leave this life, if not physically beat up, emotionally beat up. But if you hang on to him, if you lean on him, if you turn to him, he will get you through it and he will get you through it. And the rewards for what you deal with today here on earth will pale in comparison to what is in heaven waiting on you. The scars that you have emotionally and physically from the world standing against you have nothing in comparison to heaven. The choice is easy in the sense of, yeah, yeah. To an alcoholic, the choice is easy. I need to quit drinking. But they seldom fall through on that easy choice, do they? They seldom go. Most of them wind up finding the bottle again. Luke 16, 16. The law and the prophets were proclaimed unto John since that time the gospel of the kingdom of God has been preached and everyone is forcing his way into it. 
This is hard. This is hard to do this. It's hard because as much as I'm talking about the narrow gate and how hard it is, and it's not to discourage you away from the narrow gate, it's honestly to encourage you to keep pushing forward. It's to encourage you to, to turn to Jesus when you think, you know what, that's not that big of a deal, I can handle it. Eh, nope, it's that big of a deal and you need Jesus and you need to turn to him for it. Christ causes us, calls us to the narrow gate with urgency. He calls us to Christ himself, our God, calls out to us and says, enter into the narrow gate. But the wide gate, at the wide gate, the enemy calls, come, come. I have candy. I have Netflix. Come. Take the easy way. The enemy is at the gate trying to convince you that, that you don't have to do all that. You, you don't need Jesus. There's so many other things out there. Why, why go through the, the hardship? Why go through all these things? We have a gate. We have a gate. Look how smooth our roads are. In comparison, think of the interstate, a nice, a nice new paved interstate compared to an old mountain curvy rocky road. Becky would choose the interstate every time. We demand nothing from you at the wide gate. You don't have to give up anything to come to the wide gate. You don't have to give up anything to go to the wide gate. Except for what? Christ. So just, just leave him over there. You can go back to him whenever you want. Do you remember in Pinocchio where they had the little boys and they give them cigars and drink and they turn into donkeys? This is the wide gate. This is the wide gate. You can bring whatever you want. There's no need to leaving anything behind. You want you've got self-righteousness? Come on! You can be as self-righteous as you want to at the wide gate. You've got boot. Come on! Your Jesus wouldn't send nobody hell? He's over here at our gate. Your Jesus send everybody to hell? Come on, he's over here at our gate. Let 
Your Jesus won't vote for Donald Trump? He's at our gate. Yours won't vote for Biden? You want to coexist? Everybody coexists over here. You think witchcraft is, 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 is something interesting? We can get you involved in that. The wide gate is wide. And it's accepting. There's no need to confess your sin to enter the wide gate. There's no need to die to yourself to enter the wide gate. There's no need to fight the fight of faith to enter the wide gate. There is no need to conform your thoughts to the word of God to enter into the wide gate. And it beckons you. Turn on your TV. You can see how the wide gate operates. You remember back in the day, TV really wasn't much better than it is now, but we thought it was. And Ellen DeGeneres came out as gay and we kicked her off of TV. Good for Christians. We kicked this lady off of TV. Now most churches are accepting gay people. That wide gate is a powerful thing. Wide gate's a powerful thing. You want to learn about something anti-Christ? You can't turn on a, a, a movie or a TV show that doesn't spit in the eye of God. You can't look at a billboard that doesn't defy Christ. Why? Why? Because the, bill, the, the, the world says the wide gate is accepting of everything. The wide gate is accepting of everything. At the wide gate, there is a buffet of, this is what happens when I get tired and I start telling the computer what to type instead of typing it myself. I've got, it's a buffet of Joyce's. Joyce Meyer falls into this wide gate thing, but, but, but ultimately we're talking, we're talking choices. You have a buffet of choices, not Joyce's. There's no judgment there's no judgment here. And all choices and decisions are accepted. Unless they lead you to Christ. Heaven and hell or whatever you make of it. Most of us want to believe that there's a hell for Hitler. But everybody else gets out. We, we flip this thing on our head, right? We flip this whole thing of, of God's justice on its head to where we say, most people enter into the, the, the broad gate. But the world wants to tell you that only a few people enter the gate of hell that leads to 
destruction and damage. Most people are good and they go through to heaven. But the opposite is true. The opposite is true. You can make heaven or hell whatever you want to. Uh, when we were dating, me and Becky were dating, she was watching this TV show and and the people went to heaven and they, they depicted heaven as whatever your paradise would be. Garbage. Garbage. That's garbage. Whatever you can imagine, the greatest thing in the whole wide world that you can imagine is, is, is without getting vulgar, garbage in comparison of the glories of heaven. There's nothing that we can imagine that is better or even equal to what God has waiting for us in heaven. Christ can look however we want him to look. He can be modeled after us if we, des if we desire it. As long as he doesn't look like the Christ of the scriptures at the wide gate. You may ask, can I practice any form of spiritualism that, that, that I want to practice? And at the wide gate, the answer is, of course you can, as long as it seems right to you. Does it feel right to you? Does that, does that, does that, does that stuff feel right to you? Then you do that. You do that. Can I leave my wife and get a boyfriend? Only if it makes you happy. At the wide gate. If it makes you happy, you do whatever you want. You made a covenant with a woman for your entire life, but yeah, you abandon her. Abandon her for lust. Abandon her for whatever. Vice versa. Fact, statistically, your wife is more likely to abandon you. I know that's not what's normal in culture, but the truth is, statistically, the woman is more likely to abandon the husband and the children to follow her lust. Thank you, women's liberation. Can I dress and act like the other sex? If that is your genuine self, yeah. Because the wide gate says that God didn't create you. You're in charge of your own autonomy. In fact, I dare to say that probably the largest false idol that we have here in America is self-autonomy. That we don't belong to a God. We get to determine. We're male, female, Whatever. You do you. How many of you have heard that phrase? And I've already said this one, but I, I repeat it. Can I make Jesus in my image? And the wide gate says absolutely. Absolutely you can. 
the world is calling you and your children to this type of life, it will even give you a fake sense of community and family. What do we call Facebook groups? Facebook community. I've noticed, maybe a young person can correct me. That's weird that I even say that because I don't think that I'm that old, but I am out of the modern vernacular, and I keep hearing people say, what up, fam? I'm assuming that's short for family. I hate to tell you, but people on the internet are not your family. God gave you a family. People on the internet are not your community. God put you in a place where you have community. There again, that is the God of self. That is the God of autonomy. I can determine if I'm going to be a woman. I'm going to determine who's my community. I'm going to determine who's my family. God doesn't tell me these things. I tell me these things. And at the wide gate, that's acceptable. At the wide gate, they'll take you in. At the wide gate, you can watch whatever you want to watch. You can eat and drink and smoke whatever you want to eat, drink and smoke. At the wide gate, you can do whatever as long as it doesn't bring glory to God. We don't care. But at the narrow gate, there's Jesus. At the narrow gate, there's eternal life. At the narrow gate, there's something far more valuable than me being able to determine my self-identity. If you are headed to the narrow gate, you would be much happier saying that my identity is in Christ than anything that the world can muster up for you to pretend to be. The narrow gate looks fun. The narrow gate looks accepting. The narrow gate looks like, oh, a wide gate, my bus, my bus. I'm so sorry. The wide gate looks as if it is a place where you can find happiness. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you, the wide gate tells you these things because what the enemy has done since Adam and Eve is lied to you about the wide gate. The, the, the enemy told Eve that at the wide gate that you can be like God. And he still tells us that to this day. At the wide gate that you can be like God. I don't want to be like God because I'd make a horrible God. I want to be the servant of the God. I want to be the servant of Christ. And it is harder. And it is tougher. But at the end, there is eternal life versus eternal suffering and damnation. But at the end, I am walking and talking with my Lord. And I am having perfect communion. I don't know what that looks like, guys. I don't know how we're all going to have perfect communion with God, but we will. And at the narrow gate, you will have be shut off from God. And there will be wide... I'm so sorry. I keep... This is what happens when I get too many things. 
But at the wide gate, when you open that, there are flames and there is hell and there is damnation and there is gnashing of teeth and there is anger and there is weeping because you are sad because the wonderful common grace of God that you get here is not in hell. If you're willing to sacrifice 80, 120 years on earth, if you're lucky, for the easy way to spend eternity gnashing of teeth. Do you know what the gnashing of teeth is? It is anger. It is anger to God. How dare you throw me here, God? It is being so angry that... Who, who grinds their teeth? Is it people grind their teeth? Like, like, you know how much pressure it takes to grind? Can you imagine just grinding your teeth with so much force that it, it crumbles? Because that's how mad you are. Or you're so, or you're weeping because you know that you missed out. There's more to life than what's in front of you right now. There's more to life than your car payment, than, 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 than uh, the, your co-worker who's bugging you to death. There's more to life than whatever the problems are you have now in front of you. There are more pressing issues than what is going on in the world right now. If Biden crashes the whole country, it doesn't matter. I mean, we won't like it, but it doesn't matter. If we get a Republican next time and he crashes the whole country, there are more pressing issues. Do you know Christ? With all this stuff going on, with all the world, with everything going on, the good, the bad, the ugly, with everything going on, the one question you really need to have on your heart is, do I know Jesus? Am I headed to the narrow gate? Please don't self-deceive yourself. Please. I, and, and we live in an area to where I guarantee you 90% of people who call themselves Christians are on their way to hell. I talk to them too, too, too much every week. They say things like, hurry up, Pastor, you need to wrap this thing up. They say things like, oh, yeah. I go to church. I know I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I go to church. What are they saying? I'm a Christian because I go to church. That's, a, that's the wide path. That's the wide gate. What am I praying that each and every one of us say? I'm a Christian, therefore I go to church. Who's the pastor there now? Follow up with that question. You don't know who the pastor is. You didn't. You never knew who the pastor was at that church. But ask, who's the pastor? Well, I really don't even know. Ain't it so-and-so? That's just a good question to find out if they've been there recently, you know. Do you know Christ? Are you walking with him? Have you given him your everything? 
if you're holding on to 10% of who you are and not giving it over to Christ, you're headed down the right road, man. You're headed down a road that will see you gnashing your teeth and weeping. Turn to Jesus, for there's no other way. You say, it's too hard. It's too hard. The narrow way, yeah, David, I, I just heard you explain how hard this is and how easy that is, and it's too hard. Not if you're leaning and loving Christ. He will give you what you need to get through today. Paul says, Lord, Three times. Lord, I have this thorn on my side. Please remove me. And God's response was, I've given you the grace. I've given you what you need to handle this. Whatever thorns become a part of you, whatever, whatever gets jammed into your side because of your walking with Jesus, God will give you the grace to deal with it. And then one day, you're climbing that rocky hill. And there's the gates. And you see them. And they're like Walmart. They just open up for you. You ain't got to show ID. Christ knows who you are. And everybody talks about the, the, the apostle. Man, there, there's, there's, there's Christ. And all his glory. greeting you. The people who you've shared the gospel with, who made it there before you, there to greet you. The saints. The saints who gave the gospel to the people who gave it to you will be there to greet you. And it may be hard to see and it may be hard to picture the benefit of sacrificing so much Today. But once you get there, you'll say, what in the world was I struggling over? What in the world was so aggravated? Why, why did I let that bother me? Friends, I, I don't know I don't know where you are. I assume, I assume that everybody, maybe the kids, but all the adults in this room are walking with Christ. But I, I don't know. If you're not, if you're not leaning on Him with everything that you have, seek Him. Ask, seek, and knock. And it will be given to you. Let's close in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you so much. <clears throat> we thank you so much that you have snatched us out of the way the wise 
path and the gate. That you have pulled us and put us on the track that leads to glory, that leads to eternal life with you. Lord, I, I, I thank you for those who have accepted you and, and, and are wanting to give their lives for you that we'll be baptizing next week. Lord, I pray that if there's anyone in this room who, who is not walking with you, that, that when the wide path calls, they, they look at it and they linger on it, that you would just grab them and snatch them back to you and don't even let them walk away from the, wide, the narrow path. Keep them away from the wide path. Give them zeal to be on the narrow path. Give us the ability to seek you like we've never sought you before. Lord, we love you. And we thank you for your love, mercy, and grace. Amen.